Well, good morning, everyone. Okay, a couple of you are awake. You guys need that time change to happen sooner than later, huh? Well, if I've not had a chance to meet you, uh, as Matt said, my name is Aaron, uh, lead pastor for Riverwood, and uh, you've picked a really good Sunday to be here because we are jumping back into uh, our series Centered from the book of Colossians, and uh, I think it's going to be what many of you need to hear, uh, whether you've been following Jesus for a long, long time, or maybe you aren't following Jesus yet. I think it will be uh, great for you. So uh, I need to start off, though, by uh, saying thank you. Uh, I want to say thank you to YouTube and Netflix, um, because uh, five years ago, YouTube decided to do this series. They tried to do some original content, decided to get out of it, and so they passed the series off to Netflix, who have carried it on through its fifth season. I'm talking about the masterpiece known as Cobra Kai. Anyone here seen Cobra Kai? Okay, few of you. Uh, Leanne and I have made it through four seasons. We've not had time to begin the fifth season, which I think just started like a month or so ago. Uh, But if you're not familiar with it, it is basically picking up the story of Karate Kid, the original Karate Kid movie from 1984, and starting 30... 35 years later, and you have some of the same main characters, but now they're married, they've got kids, and the kids get into fights at school, and anyway, it's a karate movie, it's fun. Uh, but the reason I want to thank YouTube and Netflix for reviving this is because now I don't sound quite as much of an old geezer by opening with an illustration from Karate Kid. Because you see, I was 11 years old when the original Karate Kid movie came out, and If you weren't alive then, you probably don't quite realize just how much of a cultural hit it was. I mean, I can't tell you how many of us boys stood on the playground like this, (laughs) waiting to just drop Johnny with a kick to the face, all right? But also, so many people kept saying, wax on, wax off. Yeah, see, you guys know it too, right? The, The old scene where he's, you know, having to wax the car and then unwax and that, and then later he's painting the fence and he's got to paint it just a certain way. And like, basically, Mr. Miyagi was teaching Daniel that karate is actually very simple. He was taking him to the very basics. And, and rather than like the Cobra Kai dojo and, and their aggressive way of strike hard, strike first, he was teaching him the very simple way, the very basic way. Today, as we jump back into Colossians, the Apostle Paul is going to be our Mr. Miyagi. He's basically going to be telling us, hey, if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to be a black belt in following Jesus, it isn't going to be found through, you know, the most aggressive thing. Instead, it's going to be found through the basics. It's going to be the wax on, wax off of the Christian faith. And so to see it for yourself, I invite you to open up to Colossians chapter 2. If you didn't bring a Bible, uh, don't worry about it. We're going to put the scripture on the screen. But if you have a Bible on your phone, totally feel free to pull that out and navigate to Colossians. Uh, if you uh, want to go old school like me and use a paper Bible, I encourage you to stop by our resource table on your way out. Uh, we've got two different translations. We'd love to just put one of those in your hands, and that's our gift to you. That becomes your Bible. That way you can use it on Sunday when you come back. You can use it if you become part of a growth group. You can use it any day of the week. That is your Bible to begin to understand God's heart and love for you as shown through 
Christ. Uh, we uh, started the book of Colossians back in August. Uh, the very first Sunday of August, we spent five weeks studying chapter one. Then we took a five-week break to do our Imago Day series, and then uh, we did one more week off with uh, our restoration service last week. So I realize it's been a little while since we've been in this book. So if you need to go back onto the website or the podcast feed or, or YouTube and re-listen to one of the messages, that would be fine. If you missed all of those, feel free to go back. Uh, I can't ex- say they're going to be the most exciting thing in the world that you've ever heard, but it, it'll help catch you up on what we're going to hear. But even if you didn't hear any of the previous stuff, most of what you'll hear today is still going to be able to apply. As I said, what you'll hear, you can begin to apply to your life, whether you've been following Jesus for a long time, whether your faith is brand new, or you're here because you're investigating Christianity, wondering if the story of Jesus' death and resurrection is actually true. So as we get ready to jump into Colossians 2, let's pray. All right, Heavenly Father, we are about to come to your scriptures. You wrote these words through Paul so long ago to a group of Jesus followers living in a small town known as Colossae. And yet, Lord, where many people around just kind of ignored this little city because it wasn't major, these people mattered to you. And so you put it on Paul's heart to write this letter. And yet, by your providence, you've had this letter continue to exist. And it's been translated into English so that we can understand it here some 2,000 years later. And so that's why we ask God that you would help us to set our biases aside and truly be open to hearing from you because you're the one who's written this. You've impacted generations through these words. And so we ask that you would do the same for us today. And so God, no matter what kind of week we've had, whether it's been a tough one or a great one, whether we've been filled with a lot of doubt or we've been filled with a lot of trust, no matter what is happening, would you help us to just bring all of it before you now and to learn and receive and hear from you so that you can help us to be the kind of people who are rooted and built up, established in the faith, because you, Jesus, know us, love us, died for us, and rose again from the dead. So teach us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, join me at Colossians chapter 2. We're going to do verses 1 through 7 today. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, Yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Any of you ever devoted yourself to something? Like just fully given yourself It could have been a sport. Maybe there was a project at school or at work. Maybe you've had to devote yourself to a loved one who's maybe ill or sick. Or if you've had kids, you know what it means to have to devote yourself to them. Some of you, you devoted yourself to starting a business. I had to devote myself to starting Riverwood. If you've ever done this kind of devotion, you know it costs. 
Now, for some of you, yeah, it, it costs money. But the cost I'm thinking of is your time, your energy, your emotions. Like you poured your blood, sweat, and tears into this. This is what Paul is saying as he starts chapter 2. He devoted himself to these people because he longs to see them know Jesus. Uh, He told us a little bit of the the cost last uh, time we were in Colossians, back at the end of chapter 1. But all he did was kind of talk about his suffering. Where we really know more of the suffering that he endured is in some of his other letters, but primarily from the book of Acts. When you go to the book of Acts and you read some of Paul's story, starting in about Acts 9 and, and you work to the end through chapter 28, you start hearing how Paul went through shipwreck. He, he was lashed, 39 lashes upon the back. In one city, he was drug out and they began to throw stones and they left him for dead. This guy has gone through the extremes of weather, uh, of being mocked. I mean, just he's gone through so much simply because he wanted people to learn about the Jesus that had changed his life. Paul had been on track to being one of the greatest rabbis Judaism had ever seen in his day. And Jesus changed it all and wrecked it by helping him understand who Jesus was. And once he learned who Jesus was, rather than go and arrest Jesus' followers, he was trying to make Jesus' followers. And he gave everything to it because he was devoted. But what's crazy is this devotion was to people he's never met. If you look there in verse 1, he mentions people that he's not met face-to-face. He mentions the, the people in Colossae. He's never been to, to Colossae. Right? The closest he ever got was 100 miles away when he planted a church in Ephesus. Right? But he never made it to Colossae. And then he mentions Laodicea, another town about 12 miles away. It was, the hope was that this letter to Col- the Colossians would also make it over to the Laodiceans. And, and, and so he mentions them, but he's never seen them either. And yet, it didn't matter. He still had this heart, this devotion to see them know Jesus. Some of you know what this is like. Uh, many of you know that here at Riverwood, we support Patrick and Shelby Ray in their efforts to plant Northside Neighborhood Church. They are up in the North Minneapolis neighborhood. It's a, a wide, diverse neighborhood, but there's also a lot of crime, a lot of violence. And, and so we've taken it on to just pray for them and, and support them financially. A, a handful of you have actually been up to help them a couple of times. But some of you, you've never met the people in North Minneapolis, and yet I routinely hear you talking about Patrick. Like, it's just on your heart. You've never met them, and yet you care for them. Uh, through Riverwood, we've, as, as you heard Matt talking about how we donate $5 to Compassion International, some of you have taken it a step further, and you've become a sponsor for Compassion. And I, I think it's, what, like $35, $40 now per month where, where you send this money in, and through a local church, you're helping provide education, clothing, some food. You're making a difference for a kid. And many of you, you've never met this child in person. Now, now, yeah, you're blessed with getting a photograph, you get letters from them, you can write letters to them, but you know it's different when you meet someone in person, and yet your heart just yearns for that kid. We have a couple families in Riverwood who have adopted. Some of you are beginning to think about that same thing, and yet even though you haven't adopted yet, you care for this kid. This kid may not even have a name yet. And yet you just somehow know this child is to be part of our family. That's my kid. 
You may not biologically have created them, and yet they are already enmeshed in your heart, and you've never met them. This is what Paul is expressing. He's never met the Colossians, and yet he yearns for them. But what is it that he longs so much for them? He begins to tell us in verse 2. First thing he says is that what he wants is for their hearts to be encouraged. Now, that seems like a fairly, like, human thing, right? Like, today, I really hope you are encouraged. Like, I I would feel like I'm a really, really bad preacher if you leave out of here just, like, feeling beat up and discouraged. Like, many of you parents, you're good parents. You want to encourage your kids. Some of you, you've got friends. You want to encourage your friends. Yeah, we all have these weak moments where we say something harsh and, and it ends up discouraging But for the most part, we want to encourage. But notice Paul takes it a step further. It's not just, hey, I hope you're doing all right. I hope this letter encourages you. No, he says he also wants them to be knit together in love. This is going deeper. He wants them to be tied together. Now, for him, it's that he wants them tied together because they're all Jesus followers. He wants this gospel to be the center of their church. But he wants them to realize you're not alone I hope you would realize that too. But then the last thing he says here in verse two, what he wants for them to do is to reach all the riches. Now, if you're not a Christian, you may be thinking like, ooh, that'd be nice. Like if I become a Christian, I get all the riches. No, 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 not those kind of riches. He says to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. In other words, he wants them to fully get it to grasp this concept of the gospel, to understand God's heart for them, to see what God has been doing through all of time and how that pours out to them because he knows what that will do in them and through them. I suspect if you are a follower of Jesus, there is something in you that wants this. Now, yeah, you may be facing some sort of barrier right now. There may be something just going on that's just keeping you from having that kind of life, but yet there's something even on your worst day that still longs, yearns, wants that kind of life, to have this full assurance of God's knowledge, to understand Christ in this way. The problem is we are so easily distracted. We're distracted by our circumstances. We're distracted by our pasts. We're distracted by our sin. And for some of us, we're distracted by the new. If you're like me, you're slightly addicted to new. Like, I just got this new shirt. Came in the mail on Friday. I made sure to wash it on Saturday so I could wear it on Sunday because I like new. I always wanted to hear the newest song. How many of you went and already listened to Taylor Swift's Midnight's album? Okay, yeah. You want to hear the new. You you watch the new movie. Like, I really want to go see Black Adam even though the critics hate it, audiences love it. Like, I'm trying to figure out when and how can I find an excuse to go because I want to watch new Like, we're addicted to new. I can't wait till the new restaurant opens at Waverly. I want to go experience it. The problem is, this addiction for new bleeds into our spiritual lives, and we begin to think that the only way we're going to truly experience God, the only way we're going to be able to go deeper with Him, the only way we're going to get that kind of life is through the new. And so we're always chasing that new worship song always having to read some new book. We go and get some new Bible translation. we got to go try out the new church or listen to some new podcasted preacher. We always are going after new, thinking that's where we're going to find this joy in God. The, the, the problem is, though, that opens us up to deception. It doesn't mean those are bad. 
Like, I, I routinely am telling people, like, hey, have you heard this song? Right? If, sometimes the new does help. But don't believe that it's only the new that's going to help and think, therefore, I have to abandon the old. Because if that's where you live, it's always new, you set yourself up to be deceived. That's what Paul wants to warn them about. Notice verse 4. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. How many of you uh, are fishermen? I know, I know Miguel is. Okay, I see a few other hands. Okay, I, my dad kind of is, so I grew up going fishing. I'm not really any longer, um, but I understand the concept. I know what you do. So how many of you, if you were to go out fishing, deciding what to throw into the water to try and lure in the fish, how many of you would take a Bluetooth speaker, tie it onto the end of the line, blare rap music, and throw that out there? Yeah, pretty ludicrous. Why? Okay, John would try it, okay? The rest of you normal people, though, no, that's the worst idea in the world. Why? Because fish don't eat things that look like Bluetooth speakers. They don't eat things that are pumping out heavy bass. No, they eat silent bugs, worms, smaller fish. And so you want your bait to look plausible, believable. So the fish thinks it's just normal and regular, that looks good, and then they bite on it and it hooks them. Paul's concern for these Colossians is that they will hear something that sounds good, sounds plausible, sounds believable, and they'll swallow it. And it will end up pulling them away from this life-changing gospel. That's where it's most dangerous. It's something that sounds so good, sounds so right. Hey, if I just chase after that new, I get a better understanding of God. And Paul is wanting to protect them from that. And the way he seeks to protect them is the Christian version of wax on, wax off. Look at verse 6. He starts it off with therefore. If you were new to the Bible, the word therefore, you just simply come to it and you say, what is that therefore, therefore? It's there because it's saying what you just heard, what you just read, what just came prior is linked to what you're about to read, what you're about to hear. So what did we just hear? We heard that Paul's desire is that their hearts would be encouraged, that they would be knit together in love, that they'd have this great full understanding of God so that they might be protected, not be deceived, not be deluded by these plausible arguments. So therefore, because this is what he desires for them, here's how to go about protecting yourself. As you received Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, the Lord. How did the Colossians receive Christ? If you're brand new with us, I don't expect you to know the answer, but if you were with us back in August, you might remember that there was this dude named Epaphras. Epaphras, most scholars think, found Jesus through Paul's ministry in Ephesus. And by being discipled there in the church in Ephesus, he then went back home to Colossae, shares the gospel with his family and friends, and some of them believe the story of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And a church gets planted. Eventually, Epaphras gets this opportunity to travel with some others to Rome. They get to meet Paul while he's right there in prison under house arrest, and he gets to tell him about this church he started in Colossae. So the way they received Jesus was through Epaphras coming to them, sharing the gospel. They heard it. They believed. In other words, they received Christ by faith. Now notice what he says. So walk in him. 
Paul loves this word walk for your Christian life. It's, it's just this idea that as you're going about living, you live for Christ, you live for him. But notice what he's saying, that if your faith started with Jesus, it needs to continue with Jesus. Your faith started with the gospel, it needs to continue with the gospel. It started by faith, it continues by faith. You don't need to go on to the bigger, the better, the more complex, the more whatever. You stay with Jesus. Wax on, wax off. And notice what happens when you continue to apply just this very simple, basic beginning foundation of Christianity. Verse 7, you become rooted and built up in him. I absolutely love that, that phrase, rooted and built up in him. That, that for me, conjures up uh, Ezekiel 47. If you're new to Riverwood, we get our name, Riverwood, from this passage in Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel, uh, starting in chapter 40 of his, of his book, has been getting a tour of the temple. As the, the vision is about to end, uh, he notices this water. The water flows out of the temple. He, he goes outside and he walks along and he actually ends up walking through it four different times. I won't go into all the explanation, but I'm convinced that that river in that vision represents Jesus. We, we discover that wherever that river flows, that it, it brings life and he walks through it and each time he walks through it, it gets deeper and deeper. That's what we want to see. We want to see you give more and more of your life over to Christ. But then at the very end of it, right as the vision's about to end, he says this. This is Ezekiel 47 verse 12. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month. Why? Because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. These trees are producing this fruit, but the fruit's not for them. They don't consume the fruit. The fruit is for the animals. It's for people. It's for others. They are to be this blessing outward. What nourishes them is by getting rooted into the river of Christ that brings them life. That's what Paul is trying to draw out here. That as you continue with Jesus, as you continue with the gospel, your roots will just continue to go deeper and deeper and you will be built up. And notice, as you get so built up, the next phrase is that you will be established in the faith. An established tree does not panic when the weather changes. An established tree whose roots are deep does not begin to fear in drought. It does not quake during the floods. It does not panic during winter because it knows that its sustenance is not going to be found out here, up here. Its sustenance is going to be by getting its roots down deep. And the deeper the roots, the stronger it is, and it can hold firm even through the worst of windy storms. This is what Paul desires for Jesus' followers, that their faith would be so deep in Christ, in this gospel, that when these theologies come, when these philosophies come, when the cultural winds change, they won't fear. They can stand firm because they're established in their faith. And then notice there's one more benefit. The last phrase there in verse 7. 
that when you are wax on, wax off, receiving Christ as, and walking to him, you will be abounding in thanksgiving. To quote the great theological commentary known as Madame Blueberry from VeggieTales fame, the thankful heart is a happy heart. Now you're going to have that song stuck in your head for those of you who know what I'm referring to. How many of you want to be happy? Yeah, pretty much all of us. Well, the happy heart is the thankful heart. But too often, our happiness comes by based on what is happening in the world around us. Hey, I got the job. I'm happy. I just got let go. I'm sad. Hey, I just came into a lot of money. Oh, the stock market just crashed. Hey, I feel really good right now. Oh, no, I've got cancer. Hey, I, I haven't given in to my addiction for the last week. Oh, no, I just crashed. If you're rooted and built up, if Jesus is the center, if this is what everything is about, then, yeah, you'll still be affected by the winds. You'll still kind of move around. But for the most part, you'll be able to stand firm because you will always have something to be thankful for. Yeah, She may have just left me, but God is still with me. Yeah, I may be going through a financial crisis, but God can provide. Yeah, my health may not be the best, but yet I get an eternity with God. Yeah, I may be struggling with this, but Jesus died for my sins. When your roots are in Christ, you are built up and established, you will always have something to be thankful for. And that thankfulness will give you not just that momentary happiness, but a true, underlying, everlasting joy. Because the thankful heart is the happy heart. So, if you are a follower of Jesus, don't fall for the trick that you have to chase after the new. Sometimes the old The simple, the basic, is exactly what you need. Just as you received Christ, so walk in him. And as you walk in him, you will find your heart encouraged. You'll find yourself being knit together in love. You'll find yourself reaching all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. You'll find yourself being rooted and built up in him. You'll be established in the faith. You'll be abounding in thanksgiving and you won't be deluded by plausible arguments. Sometimes to live that black belt life, just go back to the beginning. Just do the simple things and watch God do something great in you as he slowly and steadily gets your roots deeper in him, building the kind of life that you want and he wants. But Aaron, what if I'm not a Christian? That's why today's the perfect day for you to come. Because just as Epaphras went to Colossae to share this life-changing message about Jesus, I've come to you today to bring this life-changing message of Jesus. That just as they received Christ by faith, I invite you to receive Christ by faith. I do not have a time machine to take you back, to take you to Jerusalem, and show you the cross. All I have are some historical documents but I tell you it's true. Jesus Christ, God the Son, who from eternity past created all things, including humans, came to this earth to die for humans. Because even though humans were made in the image of Christ, we went and sinned. We left him. 
And yet, because he loved us so much, he willingly came to this earth, taking on human flesh, but living a sinless life, which allowed him to not need to pay the penalty for sin. Instead, he paid it for us. And he now invites us into this relationship with him. And you receive it by faith. And when you receive this story by faith, you believe it is true, you will begin to see your heart encouraged. You'll begin to be knit together with other Christians in love. You'll be on this journey of discovering the full assurance of God and his love and his wisdom. You'll begin to be rooted and built up, established in him, abounding in thanksgiving. Most people, when they realize the truth of this gospel, they mark the moment with prayer. So if you would, please join me in prayer, and I'm going to give you that moment. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the, the man or woman, the student or adult that has been listening to this and they're hearing you calling them. I pray that right now you would help them to put their faith fully in you. That they would receive you by faith, realizing that you, Jesus, loved them so much you went and paid the penalty they should have paid for their sin and you now instead give them the life you always wanted them to live. I pray that this would be the beginning of something beautiful and powerful. That this would be the beginning of them being rooted in you, being built up, abounding in thanksgiving, being a blessing to others, producing great fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control that is for the benefit of others around them. And so God, I pray right now that you would hear them as they pray, as they confess their sin as they acknowledge how they fall short, hear them as they give their life to you. And Lord God, I pray for those who made this kind of a moment a few weeks ago, months ago, years ago. I pray that you would help them that just as they received you, that they would continue with you. Help them, Father, today to walk with you. Jesus, your cross was so powerful. It doesn't just forgive us of our past sins. It forgives us of our current sins. There's no sin that we could commit that's so big that you can't cover it and wash it away. And so I pray you'd help us to come to you just as when we began our walk with you, we, we confessed our sins that we would do that now. That, that we received you by faith, we would do that now. That as we had hope for our future, we would have that now. So God, would you hear your children right now as they also pray? Jesus Christ, we say thank you. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for what you have done. And thank you for your invitation to receive you, to follow you, to make you the center of our lives. But Jesus, we cannot do this on our own. We may want this, but we fail time and time again. 
That's why we are thankful for your Holy Spirit who you've given to us, who does have the strength to lead us to live this kind of life. And so, Father, would you protect us from the desire for new, to chase after the things of this world, instead to be not just content, but even thrilled to just be with Jesus, that he would be our joy, he would be our identity. It's upon him we would put our full trust. So God, we thank you for this morning, this chance to learn from you and from your scriptures. God, if there is anything at all that I said that was not of you, would you just graciously uh, expose that to me but help the rest of us forget it? That anything that was what you desire for us, may we not be able to forget it. Even as we head back into our daily lives, these truths would just be resonating with us and we would continue to walk with Christ day in, day out, moment by moment. And by doing so, we would become rooted and built up, established in our faith, abounding in thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is a total uh, aside, so I apologize right now to the worship team because they're not expecting this. Um, this morning, uh, I was reading uh, in Scripture, and uh, I've been using this little book, uh, Reset. Uh, uh, some of you met Mark Biorlo, our regional president, when he was here in July, and uh, he had recommended this to a few pastors. And so I thought, oh, I'll get it. It's from a pastor up in the Twin Cities, uh, Dale Hummel. Pastors a large church there, and some of it's Dale's story. Uh, he was abused as a kid, uh, suffered OCD. Um, I've just been making my way through it kind of slowly. But this morning, uh, he was sharing a story of how he went on three different missions trips. One was to Asia, one was to the west coast of the United States. I can't remember where the third one was. Um, but he said that he noticed, oh, it was the Middle East. He noticed on each of these trips, quickly God knit his hearts with those that he was with. He just found his heart encouraged. And, and he was trying to figure out, why am I experiencing this on these trips, but I, I don't seem to be experiencing this in my home church. And so he shares several reasons why. And, and he comes to, to one where it's mostly about worship, but he said this, and I felt like it really applied to what we saw in Colossians today. He said in one of the settings, so on one of his trips, a member pulled out a guitar and began to spontaneously sing songs to the Lord. As I watched... I was moved by how abandoned the members of the group were in worshiping Jesus. I felt convicted. Many times, I just mouth lyrics or prayers without really experiencing what I'm saying. But their depth of love for Jesus swept over me. In all three environments, I noticed there was a preoccupation with Jesus. Everyone's words pointed toward him because they felt they received so much from him. Jesus was clearly their reference point for their actions and attitudes. That's why we come to communion every single week. We don't do this because it's some duty. We don't do this because it's just, well, it's, we're Riverwood. This is what we do. No, we do this so that we are preoccupied with Jesus. So if you are a follower of Jesus, may he just fulfill the vision of your heart and mind right now as we sing, as we pray, as we take these elements. And even after my invitation to follow Christ, if you're still not sure about this, I'm just going to ask that you very respectfully not come to these elements. 
Because this element is all about Jesus going to the cross, dying for our sin. His body was broken, represented by the bread. His blood was shed, represented by the cup. But if you are a follower of Jesus, even if this is your first time with us, come. May you be preoccupied with Christ as we worship him. Let's do this now in remembrance of him.